Hi, everyone. So before I officially start today's pod, I do have to address something that went down yesterday. I made a colossal, colossal mistake on yesterday's podcast. When doing my player grades and player evaluations for the position players and DHs for the Detroit Tigers in 2020, I forgot Willie Castro. And I'm looking at my notes here, and this is rare that I take notes, but I I did. He's on there. My guess is after I graded Harold Castro, I just skipped Willie because I saw two Castros and thought maybe there was an error. It bothers the hell out of me when I do stuff like this, and I apologize. I got to be better. I'm going to try to be better. That was really stupid. For what it's worth, I thought Willie Castro had a very good season. I think there was good luck involved, hard hit rate not very high. He still struggles, I think, with his defense. But, you know, the guy was one of the better rookies in baseball this year. I give him a B plus, And I apologize for not uh, recognizing or noticing my mistake. That was incredibly stupid and dumb. But uh, I'll try not to make one like that again. So a B-plus for Willie Castro. So let's go ahead and start today's podcast as well. What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on Tigers. I'm your host, Chris Castellani. Well, by the time you're listening to this, it will be November 5th. I'm recording it currently on November 4th. And as of the time of this recording, don't know the results of the election quite yet. Not that I would really discuss that, but you know, I, I do think I, I have to have some transparency here because I, I think I'd be in a little bit of a different mindset if I knew what the final results were. We have a feeling it might be going Biden, but I don't know. I'm trying not to get, uh, I'm trying not to get too high or get uh, too low here. You know, a lot can change, even though a lot hasn't changed over the last couple hours. It's been a very tedious process. Moving on, this is a baseball podcast. This is a Tigers podcast, and we're going to talk baseball. We're going to talk Tigers here on this pod today. Yesterday, I gave grades for the position players and the DHs on this baseball team. A lot of variation. The highest grade I gave was an A- minus to Jamer Candelario. The lowest I gave was a D- minus to Kristen Stewart. And you'll notice today when we evaluate the pitchers, a lot more variation as well. I mean, we got guys as high as A minuses today, and we have guys who I gave a few Fs to, quite honestly. You know, this was a pitching staff that I think showed at points a little bit more promise, I think especially in the bullpen. They, you know, we know how truly pitiful bullpens have been here in the past. We know that bullpens have cost this team a World Series in the past, 2013 obviously being the prime example. There were a few solid bright spots uh, that I do look forward to talking about. A lot of variation in the grades because there were some guys who I had reasonable but but fairly high expectations for that fell completely flat on their face, and we're going to talk about them. There are a few players, though, and I mentioned this yesterday as well with the position players, who I'm giving incomplete grades to. Guys who, in my opinion, just didn't see the field enough for them to warrant me giving them uh, a, a grade overall, and those players are David McKay, Anthony Castro, Nick Ramirez, and yes, Jordan Zimmerman. I know there's people who would like to see me grade him overall. You know how I feel about his tenure here. It's an F. Hell, I could if I could go F minus, I would. But the guy pitched three games this year. They were meaningless games. Uh, his stuff was about as bad as we'd seen it over the last several years. It's done. That contract's off the books. I'm not going to spend any more time talking about Jordan Zimmerman in a Detroit Tigers uniform as of this moment. So we're going to start by evaluating some starting pitchers. 
in this rotation. And we're going to start with one of the big free agent signings, and that was Ivan Nova. This was one of those signings that you know made me roll my eyes because there were a lot of people who were like, oh, Ivan Nova, maybe he's got something. Had a few starts with the White Sox last year where he was all right. And I said, no, this, this is not going to work. Maybe he'll give them you know, occasional innings, I guess, but he's not a very good pitcher anymore. He's a ground ball, fly ball pitcher uh, with a defense behind him that is not very good. Did get better this year, but is not very good. And guess what? He was pitiful. One and one, eight five three ERA in four starts. Was injured, and you know what? Uh, you can chalk that up to bad luck. But when you sign aging pitchers and aging players, that's what happens. Ivan Nova gets a D minus from me. He was awful. Michael Fulmer. This is really a tough one because, and I said this many times, but it's worth repeating. What Michael Fulmer is attempting to come back from is, I mean, it's one of the most difficult things in baseball. Two Tommy John surgeries. It's it's really difficult. I knew what the expectations were for him this year. I knew the the short leash they were going to have him on. I knew this was going to be a guy who was going to be going three, four innings max, and I was okay with that. But all I wanted in those three, four inning starts, show me literally, you still got your fastball. Show me the stuff is still good. And at points, you know, every so often you'd see a nice slider. Every so often you'd see a nice tight changeup. But for the most part, the stuff was flat and weak. Gave up so much hard contact. Only pitched 27 and two-thirds innings this year. Was 0-2 with an 8-7-8 ERA. I'm giving him a D. The only reason I'm not going lower is I just... I just feel bad for the guy. He's he's worked his butt off to try to get back, lost a ton of weight. The stuff just didn't look very good. I don't know where you can go from here with Michael Fulmer, to be quite honest with you. that This was a, a really discouraging season for him. Hopefully he can get it back, but I, I really doubt it at this point. Then we have uh, the pair of rookies. We have Casey Mize. Casey Mize got called up this year, did not get a win. He was 0-3 with a 6.99 ERA. I, I think this season is a wash. I think the stuff is excellent, but all these grades, all these grades that I'm giving out are based solely on performance. And based on what I saw on the field, I'm not talking about upside. I'm solely basing it on what I saw in 2020 from these guys. Casey Mize wasn't very good. In fact, he got beat around a lot. You know, the numbers are not pretty. Had flashes, had a few good starts. You know, his first start against the White Sox looked pretty good. Had that start against Chicago on the south side again, where he took a no-hitter into the sixth inning. Uh, The stuff is fine, but... You know, the, the results weren't, and that's why I'm giving Casey Mize a C-. Uh, the other rookie who debuted was the lefty, Tarek Skubal. Skubal finished with a 1-4 record and a 5-6-3 ERA. Improved quite a bit over the latter part of the season, and that's why I'm giving him a higher grade than Casey Mize. You know, he got a win under his belt. The ERA was better. The numbers overall were better. We know how good the stuff is, obviously, but I, I wanted to see improvement. I-, I felt like Casey Mize at certain points would take his lumps. That's no surprise, but I, I felt like towards the end of the season, whereas Tarek Skubal was beginning to ascend, you saw a Casey Mize that was starting to descend, or at least you know stay the same as he was early on in the year. So I'm giving Scooball a C, but between the two of them, he's the one to me that showed uh, the most promise, quite honestly. Then you have Spencer Turnbull. Spencer Turnbull, far and away, the best starter on this staff, 4-4 four four record, 3-9-7 ERA, 56 and two-thirds innings, had 51 strikeouts. You know what the issues are with him. Command was, was really, really poor. Whip high. Fip solid at 3-4-9. strikeouts per nine innings, but the 4.6 walks per nine innings is, is really concerning. I think somewhere in Spencer Turnbull 
is a starting pitcher that is going to have the capability of striking out 200 plus a season. I mean, the fastball can explode. The off-speed stuff has improved quite a bit. Changeups gotten better. I, I, I like his curveball. Like, there's a lot to like about Spencer Turnbull. It's just repeating his delivery refining his mechanics, and for the most part, the mechanics were far better. He, he's been a project here over the last several years, but I, I'm giving him a B. Some of the advanced numbers, especially stuff like whip and, and walks per nine, are not pretty, but showed more promise than any other starting pitcher on this staff. And all in all, I feel like when you get a new manager and a new pitching coach in there, I think they could do wonders for Spencer Turnbull. He has like a really high ceiling. This sounds crazy. He may have a higher ceiling than Casey Mize, quite honestly. I still don't share the belief that he has the best stuff in the organization, but you look at how firm that fastball is. You look at the steps he's taken. You know, he was better last year than he was in the limited action he saw in 18 and this year far better than he was in in the 2019 season he's got a lot of upside I, I just I don't know if, if he'll ever be able to reach it because of his struggles with consistent strike throwing but I do give him a B and he was absolutely the best starting pitcher on the staff this year then you have Matthew Boyd Matt Boyd three and seven with a six seven one ERA had some historical screw-ups. I mean, the first pitcher, right, in Major League history to have three starts in a season in which he gave up home runs to the first two batters of the game. Look, I'm not holding the trade bait stuff that went down in 2019 against Matt Boyd anymore. I hold it against Alavila. I hold it against the organization for not knowing what they had, but I can't put that on Matt Boyd. And when he pitched this year, he was truly, truly awful. I can't give Matthew Boyd anything other than an F. My expectations for him have always been reasonably realistic, and yet he somehow still sunk below where I thought he'd end up. This was his sixth year in the majors, and he led the league in losses, earned runs, and homers. That's F-worthy. And I don't know where you go from here with him. You know, hopefully a new pitching coach will do him some good, maybe. But the the best baseball, in in fairness, and Rick Anderson's not a great pitching coach, but the best baseball we've ever seen Matt Boyd pitch was when Rick Anderson was his pitching coach. So maybe he'll regress again. I don't know, man. I mean, you know, that we could talk about the trade stuff, you know, asking for Gleyber Torres, those rumors, all that stuff. I I can't hold that on him. You know, he's got to go out there and pitch. I think the Tigers, and even I, you know, I had expectations for him. I thought he'd be the best starting pitcher on the staff. He was not only one of the worst starting pitchers on the staff, he was one of the worst every fifth day starting pitchers in all of baseball. A disastrous season for Matt Boyd. He was the anti-Trevor Bauer this year. And what I mean by that is like, there is no pitcher in baseball to me who improved his stock over 60 games the way Trevor Bauer did. And there's no pitcher in baseball who hurt his stock more than Matthew Boyd did. A a brutal season for him. So that will do it for the starters. When I get back in segment number two, I'm going to grade the relievers. And we're back, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in. Time to grade a few relievers. This was a part of this team that I feel like took some steps forward this year, some legitimate surprises. I'm going to start off with the Rule 5 pick, Ronnie Garcia. He also started a few games. Not a whole lot to say. C- minus is the grade I'm giving him. Stuff is okay. When you watch him right away, you can tell why he was in the minor leagues for so long and why he ended up uh, being a Rule 5 pick. The struggles with consistent strike throwing, struggles with giving up hard contact. I mean, he, he's a project. 
I would go lower, but Rule 5 picks have no expectations. I've said that a million times with Victor Reyes, where it's like whatever they get out of Victor Reyes is a success because Rule 5 picks very rarely ever amount to anything. C-. Then you have Daniel Norris. I'm giving Daniel Norris a B this year, actually. If there's one guy who really surprised me, and there were several guys that did, I was pleasantly surprised with how Daniel Norris looked this year. Had that one awful start at the beginning of the season, but 3-1... and one, with a 3-2-5 ERA, pitched 27 and two-thirds innings, had 28 strikeouts. This was the first time probably since 2015 when he came off of the injured list where I felt like, okay, Daniel Norris actually has a path to being a solid major league pitcher. It won't be as a starter. It won't be as a starter because I, I don't think his mechanics are good enough for him to sustain, you know, consistently good strike throwing for a five, six, seven inning start. But out of the pen as a super reliever, he pitched some pretty darn good baseball this year. I'm giving him a B. I'm almost tempted to go higher because it was such a surprise, but I want to see him do it over a full season. But I give him a B. He was pretty good this season. Tyler Alexander, another guy who made a few starts. Not bad this year. Two and three, three nine six. ERA had that historical moment against the Cincinnati Reds where he struck out nine in a row, setting an American League record. Guy throws a lot of strikes, which is good, but when your stuff isn't overwhelming, you also give up a lot of hits. Was actually the beneficiary of some good luck. His FIP uh, over a run and a half higher, or I'm sorry, almost a run and a half higher than his ERA was, his FIP at 5.26. So I have my doubts. I think he'll never be a starter here, but as a reliever, hey, maybe they got something. I give him a B minus. Another guy I'm giving a B minus to is Buck Farmer. Pitched in 23 games this year, was uh, the Buck Farmer that we've grown accustomed to, a guy that when he's on a roll, can be a legitimately, you know, really solid late-inning reliever for a baseball team, but consistency, he struggles with. He'll have five great outings, then it'll be followed up by two duds. We saw that outing he had against the Cubs this year where he almost blew what was, I think, like a four-run lead going into the ninth inning. Was injured, strikeouts way down, only 5.9 strikeouts per nine innings. I'm chalking that up mostly to a small sample size. I give him a B-, minus, like I said. Jose Cisnero, uh, a, a nice little story, man. 3-3 three and three this year with a 3.03 ERA, 10.3 strikeouts per nine innings, fastball in the upper 90s. You know, he's older, going to be 32 next year, so I, I, I don't really buy into the whole, hey, man, Cisnero's a long-term bullpen piece here, but it's a great story. Uh, I give him a B. I, I think he was solid this year. Good, good for him. That really is an incredible story. He was out of Major League Baseball for so long. Not a bad little pickup by Alavila over the last couple of years. Jose Cisnero been a pleasant surprise. Then we have Gregory Soto. Gregory Soto's final numbers are not as pretty as they were early in the year. 4-3-0 ERA. Walks per nine of 5.1. Strikeouts per nine, the best on the staff at 11.3. The highest upside of anyone in this bullpen. Things will really be looking up if Gregory Soto ends up becoming the closer of the future here, because it'll mean a couple things. It'll mean, one, we finally have a closer who doesn't throw, you know, 90. But it, it'll mean that you have a guy with a, an incredible fastball, one of the best fastballs in all of baseball, probably behind Aroldis Chapman. I think he might have even passed Aroldis Chapman this year for the highest average velocity on his two-seam fastball in terms of left-handed relievers. Inconsistent, trouble finding the zone at many points. If guys are picking up that fastball well and taking it, they they barrel it up quite often. 
needs to develop that slider. That slider is still pretty flat. It was solid early on in the year, but also we know when he's got that fastball rocking, the slider doesn't even need to be that great because that thing is so explosive. We saw early on in the year him painting with that heater. Had a few really rough outings. I like his upside, but because of the numbers being what they were, I can't go higher than a B. Then we have the last two. We have briefcase Joe Jimenez. You know, he was the the reliever equivalent of Matt Boyd this season. You know, Joe Jimenez was not very good in 2019 either, but you know, had shown promise in the past. He was pitiful this year. 7-1-5 ERA. You know, numbers across the board down. It did have five saves, sure, but an ERA plus of 66, a FIP of 6.72, whip way up. I mean, just a, a truly pitiful season for Joe Jimenez. I, I'm not completely out on Matt Boyd yet. Like Matt Boyd was terrible this year, but you know, every so often he'd have an all right start. I'm pretty much done with Joe Jimenez. At least the idea of Joe Jimenez being the closer of the future here. The stuff doesn't appear as explosive as we believed it was when he was coming up through the minor league system, and he hasn't grown. The the, the mistakes he made as a rookie are the mistakes he's still making now. Uh, poor pitch selection, inconsistency, giving up a lot of hard-hit balls, a lot of home runs. It's trouble, man. 2.8 home runs per nine innings this year. Are you kidding me? Joe Jimenez gets a flat-out F. Lastly, but not leastly, we have the guy who ended up becoming the closer at the end of this season, Brian Garcia, 2-1 record, 1-6-6 ERA. He was very good this year. Those numbers are awesome. I'm giving him an A-. The only reason I'm not going A, because you look 1-6-6 ERA, I mean, for a Tigers closer, that's phenomenal. I, I, I need to see him prove it over a full season, for one, and the guy did not strike out anyone. I mean, 5.0 strikeouts per nine innings, one of the lowest strikeout rates of any reliever in all of baseball, especially if you're a guy who, who plans on being a closer. At a certain point, you're going to have to miss bats. I think he will. I don't think he'll ever be like a 10-plus strikeout per nine guy, but the stuff is so good that I, I I doubt it'll stay, you know, 5.0 strikeouts per nine innings over time. Did not give up a single home run. That's a wonderful sign. You know, even though he wasn't striking a lot of guys out, he didn't give up a lot of hard contact either. Really positive sign to see the kind of pitcher that Brian Garcia in his first year at the major leagues was starting to become. He gets an A-. minus. So that will do it for the player grades, and that will do it for today's show. But tomorrow's show will be the first mailbag show that we have had in a long time. So if you have any questions, you can send those to this show's Twitter account. I'll plug that here in a second, and I'll retweet all that stuff tomorrow. So if you have anything you want me to answer, please let me know, and we will get to it on tomorrow's pod. That will do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter personally, at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow the show on Twitter, at Tigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a positive five-star review of this program. It would be much, much appreciated. Thanks very much for tuning in, everybody. I will be seeing you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers.